Hello, beautiful humans, and thank you for joining us for this episode of Spilling the Tea on Leadership. I'm your friend who is always doing the most, Jack Hesser. And I'm Matt, and I'm your friend who is tired but optimistic. Love that for you. For any first-time listeners, Spilling the Tea on Leadership is a podcast that talks about what does it mean to be a leader and people's different experiences, centering queer voices. Today, I'm fortunate enough to have Matt Perkins, who works as the Math and Science Academics Counselor at the PATH School here in Indianapolis. Matt is a Teach Plus Policy Fellow alumni, as well as an Indianapolis Teaching Fellowship graduate. Thanks so much for joining me, friend. Thank you so much for having me. It's really, I like genuinely have not been able to have a longer than five minute conversation with Matt since we were basically coworkers several years ago. So this is, this feels like a very special treat for me. All right, I always like to start things off with an icebreaker, of course, because I'm a teacher. Um, so I wanna know, what is a skill or a talent that you don't currently possess that you wish you did? So this is like a really sad truth, but uh, when I was growing up, I always wanted to be able to sing. Um, and so I was like, watching American Idol when I was growing up and I was like, mom, I'm going to be on there. And it got to a certain point in like, right as we were starting middle school where you were thinking like, okay, you can start trying out in just a couple of years. And my mom just looked at me and she said, uh, honey, you just, you need to know that you just, you can't go on that show. And I would just look at her and I was like, why can't I go on that show? And she goes, I just, I can't allow you to embarrass me out there like that, so. Oh um, no, not even embarrass yourself. She was just like, yeah. you can't embarrass me. Yeah. Out there. So yeah, um, I really, really wish that I could sing, um, but I can be a great backup dancer instead. That's right, I've seen those moves. I've seen you <laughs> dance with those little third graders. Hey, <laughs> pop and lock, mashed potato mamba. All righty, <laughs> that's so funny. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm good at everything. So I don't, I can't think of something that. So accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess just, you know, more humble. That'd be a great skill to, to, no, I'm just kidding. I would, I'm like, I love dancing, but I know I'm not great at it or good at it. Uh, so I, I would love to, you know, really be able to dance. That would be, I think, super cool. Yeah. Something like that. It's a little embarrassing when like a bunch of 13 year olds are just like constantly showing how much better dancers they are all the time all <laughs> so, the time all the time um matt well for those of you that obviously people don't necessarily know who you are they don't even know who i am but um just quickly if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself who you are and what is it what is your vibe what's your life um that's a really awesome question to be thinking about right now um for what is life or what is my life um my name is matt perkins um i am a teacher in Indianapolis. I currently coach uh, math and science teachers for the PATH school in grades two through eight. Um, however, I am filling back into my role as a former science teacher, um, just making sure that our kids have the best education that they can um, when somebody isn't there to be able to support them. So I get to work with seventh and eighth graders in science. Um, and beyond that, uh, beyond the school piece of life, I am a husband, I'm a dog dad, cat dad, um, friend, brother, son. Um, so I'm trying to figure out how all of these things work and incorporate themselves within my life, um, how they can mesh together and how sometimes those priorities can be a little interweaved or not as prioritized as necessary. Oh, I love that. Got that got the chillsies. Um, 
So to this month, I'm when I'm talking with people about failure, um, at which can be a really dynamic and interesting word and term. When you hear that word failure, what's sort of your initial reaction? Um, shut down. Uh, so I, in this whole like scope of like learning about myself, um, the last few years, I recognize that I have ADHD. Um, and I went and I sought medical advice to try to help me understand it a little bit better. Um, so I've been trying to like understand um, just a little bit more about it, uh, changing some medicines around to see what works best for me. Um, and when I hear the word failure, I, I think of me like shutting down, avoiding it, because if I can't give something my 100%, I just don't want to do it. And so to me, I see those tasks as failing and therefore I'm just not even going to try at them. So do you, when you say that, like give, you said give a hundred percent, but I think yeah. something of a similar vein, and I'm wondering if this is your experience too, is that if you're not naturally like good at something, there can be that same tendency to sort of shut down. Is that also something that you experience or is that just, is it more just like if you're not capable of giving it your all? Um, I would say that it's more capable of not giving it my all. Because for me, I love to try new things. So if I go into it with the mindset of, I'm going to try to give this my 100%, knowing that I'm not the best at it, I'm okay with that. But if I know what I should be doing, and I'm not able to put 100% of myself into that, I, I tend to avoid it. Well, that's interesting, though, because that's like, I mean, what you just described is like managing expectations. So going into something, being aware that like, hey, this might not be my forte, this might not be the thing that I'm awesome at, but I'm going to do it for the purpose of it being a new experience for the purpose of learning. I think yeah. oftentimes for myself, when I don't manage those expectations, and I'm trying something new, and I haven't really like prepared myself, then if I don't have this instant success, it can be like, what? I mean, going into the classroom for the first time, right, as a first year teacher, um, of course I knew there'd be a learning curve, but I never like, and I don't know how to best to describe this, but that idea that like I would go in and, and quote unquote, like fail, mm -hmm. right. Was something I did not mentally truly prepare for. And so can feel really demoralizing at first when, when you're not having the successes you thought you would have. And I, to go along with that, it's just what I've had to really grow in my efforts about is failure isn't final. Failure is like a starting point. So if I think of failure as final, then I can't grow from it. Whereas if I think of failure as a beginning, um, I'm learning from that, I can try again. Um, it's just really, really hard in education to feel like you are failing because you're not, you're also not doing it just for you. You have all of these lives in front of you that your actions also impact or in my case i have eight adults who then have 30 kids in each class and if i am not giving or able to put 100 percent of what i'm doing into them what are how are they with those kids and so it's just it's that little ripple or that butterfly effect that i have to be really aware of um, but also allowing my teachers that i work with to understand we're also doing this together. I want to learn from you. If I am failing at this piece or I am not doing my best, help me get better so I can help you. And I think, I mean, 
that's a really good point about like how those actions impact others. And I think that's what makes, in my mind, what makes the concept of failure so challenging because you're right, failure is not final and, and can and should be a really great learning opportunity experience. I mean, I, I don't think failing um, is inherently a good or bad thing, right? I think about what you do in response to a failure is what kind of defines what that experience means to you, right? Are you using it to learn and grow or are you shutting down and like, right, like pulling yourself away and right? And so I think your response to failure is ultimately what defines whether or not it was, you know, good or bad. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that because it is, it is your response to it that others are going to remember and possibly model. So if I can model for my teachers or my kids that I'm working with, like, I did not do this well, but here's what I'm doing because of that. I would see that as a good process. I would see that that example or that situation as inherently good for me rather than viewing it as something that was bad against me so do you think though that that okay so reflecting in um having experienced failure right reflecting from it and growing we same page right we agree like that's how like you actually make that a overall like positive experience and improve my question is is are do you have the responsibility to communicate that to others. What I mean by that is let's say I've dropped the ball on project X, Y, Z, whatever. Um, I realized I made a mistake there. I like sit down, I like think about it. I reflect like, okay, this is what I'm going to do differently next time. So I'm using that experience to grow. Do I owe it or do I have a responsibility though to reach out to the other individuals affected by the project? Is that onus on me or is that onus on other individuals to like check in with you? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so in a situation where I have a boss, um, in that situation, if I'm looking at my experience, I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to improve. Is it my responsibility to reach out to my boss or is it my boss's responsibility to check in on me? What do you think? I don't have a right answer to this. I just came up with this. Just, uh, yeah. <laughs> so. I, so I have experienced both. And I'm, I'm much rather like the approach of, me owning up to it um because immediately when they um when they come and they check in on me about that project then i feel like i have completely failed whereas if i approach them and say this is the situation here's what i'm doing in the future to rectify it i feel like then i'm showing them here was the failure here's how i'm growing from it whereas it can be a really bad experience for me, possibly even like leave a bad taste in my mouth for, you know, that person like, okay, they're going to check me. But like, what about this person who's doing the exact same thing over there? Why haven't they recognized that? Um, and so it's, it's been very hard for me. Like, I just understand that I have to stay in my own lane. Yeah. And so if I'm just doing me. I'm, I'm going on the right path. But that can be really hard though, because there is this level, it's a, like a level of, of, you know, kind of courage and, and vulnerability in doing that. Because if you're going to be the one to go to your boss or supervisor or whatever and say, hey, I did this thing wrong, you know, there's the chance where one, maybe that wasn't even on your, their radar yet. <laughs> so, right. So like, you know, you're, you're basically, by getting in front of it, you are putting that failure out there in a way that maybe it gets more attention than, than it would have otherwise, right? Because 
we oftentimes magnify our own failures. As, as you reflect on your failures, you sort of magnify them in that first step before you process it and grow. There's that initial of like, oh my gosh, like this colossal failure, even if the failure really truly its impact is not as wide or as deep as you think it might be. And so I do think that there is certainly a lot of vulnerability that goes into, into that ownership. And while I agree that I think owning those failures is, is an important aspect of growing from it, I do think that like, you know, it's an easier said than done situation when doing that requires you to like, I don't know, admit shortcoming. And like, I don't think anyone, anyone wants to admit shortcomings. And I, I mean, yeah, nobody wants to look that way in front of others. Um, but how I do want to present myself in front of people is human or I want to open up that space for them to share their vulnerabilities with me also of, you know, if I do this, I'm opening that door to where maybe they, people that I work with, or maybe even my bosses are a little more transparent with what's going on. Um, you know, Hey guys, like today, when we redid the schedule, I just, I wasn't thinking about how it was going to impact you, yeah. but this is what I'm going to do the next time that something like this happens. Like if I start to do that, I would hope that other people would probably do the same thing. I'm not saying it's going to happen. <laughs> I haven't really experienced a whole lot of that, but I'm at least trying to put it out there. Absolutely. I, there, you know, there's always, there's always the possibility that it doesn't go the way you want to, but I think more often than not by owning it, I think that you help build a stronger relationship with the people involved. And that doesn't omit you or excuse you from the consequences of your action. And I want to be clear about that. Cause like yeah. if your failure impacted somebody in a way that made their job or just their personal life, right. Taking it outside of work. If your failure made somebody else's personal life more stressful or frustrating, it doesn't excuse you from their pain or their frustration. So like by owning it, you don't get to absolve yourself from that hurt. But I do think that if you want the hope or the opportunity to have a stronger relationship with that person, again, either personal or professional, then I think it's required. Like you, you have to do that. And I will say that personally, this is more difficult because when you have that conversation, um, a lot of times it can feel like you're making excuses and I have to be really aware of how I'm communicating that. Like, you know, for example, like, I'm sorry that what I did, um, impacted you in that way. This is what I'll do versus, you know, I'm sorry that you felt that way. Like yeah. all of that communication style, um, I have really been learning personally what can sound like an excuse rather than just being upfront and honest. And I think a lot of times too, in our personal relationships or in a professional setting where you are like, you know what I'm saying, like friends with your, your colleagues, you sometimes have the hope or you hold up the hope that because of the personal relationship that exists, that they might like not even notice or think about the failure, right? And so you're like, well, we're friends. So like, it's, it's fine. And so you like, you try to come up with, you almost come up with an excuse of why you shouldn't have to reach out to them because you're like, well, we're friends. So like, it's okay. Like, I don't need to actually go to them and, and apologize for doing X, Y, Z. And even though by doing so, again, there will be an initial tension, but it's about, is the, are you like more invested in the long-term of the short-term? Because if you're invested in the long-term of that relationship, then like, I think that it's, it's more important that you do have that conversation of how, how your 
your actions or failures have like impacted them. Yeah. Um, that was a wonderful tangent. I did not, none of that's in the outline, but I really, that was beautiful. Thank you for taking us there. Um, I want to know, and this sort of maybe a tangentially related to that tangent. <laughs> um, do, do you think when you fail, like how do you make failure not a waste? Because failure can be, I think, a waste if you don't take certain actions. How do you make sure that like when you have had failures or face some of those obstacles that you have, you know, use them and leverage them in a way that's helped you grow? Um, I'm going to go in two different pathways with this. So I'm going to go professionally first and then personally second. Um, professionally, I have to get my thoughts out. So I love to be able to talk with someone through what happened so that I can understand where I might have gone wrong because I can have like a, a very myopic way of thinking. Um, and so being able to bring in some outside voices that I feel comfortable with, but what I've also started to really recognize with that, the, the people that you choose in your inner circle are probably in your inner circle because they think similarly. And so I have to make sure that if I'm going through and thinking about something that was negative or that I failed at, I'm seeking outside opinions that would support and give me some critical feedback that's necessary rather than validation of my feelings. Um, because I need to grow from that experience. I don't need a pat on the back of, you'll do better next time. Um, personally, um, I'm really starting to think about wording like i'm really thinking about communication style and so i am trying to be more aware of how i am communicating um, from instances of failure but also making sure that i have built that relationship where that person can come to me and me not me learning to not shut down from a conversation that may feel critical or confrontational um, so that's, that's how I'm trying to grow, uh, a little bit more from failures. Do you think, well, not, do you think, have you ever had a failure that you didn't grow from? Hmm. And so I'll insert Jeopardy music playing or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think right now, like I'm. I'm struggling more on the, the personal side of failure. Um, I, I've, I recently got married, so we're coming up on a year anniversary soon. Um, and I am really struggling to be a we and not a me. And so um, I wouldn't say that I have learned from those. I, I wouldn't say that I haven't not learned from that, but I think that it's still a process of what I say or what I do not only just impacts me anymore, like making plans. I now have to think, oh, there's two of us and there's two different schedules rather than I can just go and do. Um, or also me working late because I didn't get X, Y, and Z done at my job. How am I doing that? Or how is it communicated then 
with my spouse. Like thinking about, um, you know, the, the struggle right now is prioritizing. So how does my action feel like they aren't prioritized? And while that was never my intention, I'm just trying to do this piece because yeah. this is what needs done. Um, so I, I would say that I'm really trying to, to understand it, but I haven't been as successful as I would like yet. Yeah, that's fair. I also, you know, I probably should don't. I'm, I'm just now thinking too that even the wording of that question, like sort of ignores the fact that probably for most people, the failures you experience that don't help you grow are probably the things that you're blind to, right? Like, so like, cause I was, you know, I, I asked that and then I immediately went, oh God, like, do I have something to say about this? Like, I don't think I have any, but, but I think it's because I'm sure I've had many failures that I haven't grown from, but probably because of my blind spots of either not acknowledging how it was a failure and how it impacted people in very real ways, right? Mm -hmm. But because I wasn't aware of that failure, I didn't grow from it, right? Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, I guess even the way that I worded that question is probably very limiting in, in acknowledging the ways in which we as people do fail in professional or in, like, in professional settings or in personal relationships. And, and if no one's there to hold you accountable, I mean, obviously in an ideal situation, you're able to be reflective enough to see all of the, like, right, to see all, isolate your failures and to reflect upon them. But I think that's also, you know, pie in the sky, like, I don't think we'll ever, I don't think anyone is ever to, with 100% certainty, objectively reflect on yeah. their experiences and to identify those failures. And so I think it is so important, going back to what you said about surrounding yourself with people, like, I do think it's important to have people in your inner circle that are challenging you and aren't afraid to be like, yo, that wasn't cool. Mm -hmm. That action that you did impacted others, even if you didn't think that. And even if you might have this initial like disagreement about like, well, no, I, I don't, I, I don't, because, you know, intent is great, but impact is ultimately the way you make others feel. And so while your intention might have been there, if your impact hurt people, then like, that's something that I think doesn't cancel you, but I think it's something that you've got to have, you have to reflect on and you have to, you know, acknowledge if you, if you really want to grow and, and be a better person and better leader. Completely agree. Um, okay. Wow. We're like almost at time. I want to slip in just so, you know, uh, how do you navigate situations with friends or loved ones kind of on that note when, mm -hmm. when you have maybe seen them experience a failure, whether through your actions, et cetera, but you like, don't see them using it as an opportunity for growth. They either, you know, isolate and shut down or they just sort of ignore it. How have you navigated those situations with other humans? It could be colleagues too. It doesn't have to be just be like yeah. personal. Um, I think that this is a very treacherous slope. Um, and this, you, I always try to come off when I'm, when I'm doing this as helping them be more aware because I don't want to feel, I don't want them to feel like I'm attacking them. And I sure as heck don't want them to feel like I have all the answers to everything. This is just what I notice what's going on with it. Um, and I would say that with people I work with, uh, it's a little more challenging sometimes if you don't always have the relationships there. And I mean, in our our settings where we work, you know, the the staff isn't always the most consistent to be able to build those long term, um, those long term like friendships, 
relationships with to be able to to have those critical conversations sometimes. And so I always try to approach these things with um, helping them be more aware of like, hey, I know that you had struggled with this, you know, what what ended up happening? Um, you know, do you plan on doing something different? Like just kind of ha making it more of a conversation rather than like a, so what did you do? Like, how are you gonna fix it? Um, and I think that the same kind of goes personally, um, but also letting him, them know from a standpoint of like, I care about you and I want you to ultimately be really happy with what the outcome was. Um, how can I help? Like letting them know that too. Wow, thank you for that. All right, um, I like to close things out with a little bit of trivia. Trivia! Okay, okay I'm ready for this. Um, so my trivia question for you, it's gonna be a little, it's gonna be sports related. So oh, God. Good, good luck. I really <laughs> dug deep for this. Um, one of the, the stories about Michael Jordan, right? The basketball player. Do you know Michael Jordan's a basketball player? Did you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so one of, one of like, I think one of the things that's always told about Michael Jordan was that he was cut from his high school basketball team, but that's actually not true. He was never like completely cut from the basketball team. What actually happened to Michael Jordan when he was in high school and he went out for the varsity basketball team? Uh, I'm gonna say that he became the water boy. Oh, that's good, that's creative. <laughs> um, the uh, answer is he was, that's wrong. The answer was he, went, uh, he was on junior varsity instead and the reason was because the team or supposedly the reason is because they needed taller players and he was like only 510 and so mm -hmm. they ended up going with just you know taller taller basketball players and um so it's kind of funny that that's like that's that is used a lot to talk about how he overcame failure but like the failure there was just he wasn't yeah, tall he still enough. Got to play. like <laughs> wasn't tall enough yeah. and like and so then you know he yeah uh, he grew a little bit taller and then he made bars next year so when in doubt, when you fail, grow taller. Mm -hmm. um, thank you so much for joining me here on Spill in the Tea on Leadership. Hey, Matt, how can people stay connected with you if they want to hear more from you? Um, they are welcome to reach out to me um, on social media platforms. Uh, on Instagram, I am Perky Fresh, P-E-R-K-Y-F-R-E-S-H. On um, Facebook, Matthew Vincent. Uh, and then I am on LinkedIn as Matthew uh, Perkins, M-A-T-T-H-E-W. Um, I'd love to stay connected. I love to build a, um, a platform to be able to connect with other people and understand how they do and operate because I know in this profession you can get very locked into your own four walls or your own building. Um, so being able to understand what goes on in the educational landscape uh, would be really helpful and I would love to stay connected in that way. Definitely follow Matt on all forms of social media and feel free to follow me on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, at Jack McCare, as well as my part-time co-host and full-time husband, Derek Savakesser at DSavster on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks so much for joining us and make good life choices.